Welcome to Command Center, your video game book club podcast. My name is Daniel, and with me is... Nate Lamb, the leader of the Tampa chapter of the Fire-Needing Clabe. And... The Jason's truck is back, and it's better than ever during Christmas this year. Is it a helicopter? No. Okay. The Jason truck is here. So, this month we played Homeworld. One, two, and Desert Zakarak, and kind of maybe a little bonus if you guys were listening last month. We'll come back to that later. Um, so the Homeworld franchise started in uh, 1999, and this was, at least for me, the first 4X game I ever played. It's kind of kind of a strategy game, but in real time, like an RTS, but it was in space, so it was 3D, complete 3D. You had front, back, side to side, front, front, back, back, side to side. And um, you have a mothership, you build ships, and you fight other fleets. One came out in 1999, like I said. Homeworld 2 came out in September of 2003, and Homeworld Desert Zakarak, the newest one, came out in January of 2016. All were, um, the first two were made by Relic, and the last one was made by Blackbird. With that, what did you guys think, very first impressions? Uh, I love these games. All of them. Um, it took me some time to fall in love with some of them, so I played them not in their release order. But I love all these games. These games are are the, 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 the sickest dickest in my mind. Um, yeah, make that. Face. That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> because you had polio in your. Uh, Jason, what do you think of the game? Polio. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Well, it's better than several ballsy. Yep, that's true. <laughs> gotcha. I nearly threw up. <laughs> uh, well, my first impressions were, I really. You won't catch me playing any type of game like this on my own. Meaning RTS? RTS. I mean, if somebody wants to play StarCraft, I'll play some StarCraft. It's, besides the story, it's not my cup of tea of game. That being said, after being reluctant as fuck wanting to play this game, like trying my hardest not not doing so. Didn't you start, like, really late? I started super late, <laughs> yeah. but um, I just... I actually loved it. Dan came into the garage, uh, I think it was yesterday, and he was, like, or not introducing himself, but, like, just saying, like, hi to me. And he was like, all right, well, fuck you. Because I, like, I, like, I didn't say anything to him. Yeah, I, like, I got home from work, and he was already here, and he was playing Homeworld. And I said, sup, dude? And, like, I went over and grabbed a beer, and I sat down, and he had never said anything. I was like, all right, well, fuck you, too. He's like, oh, shit, my bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. He was, like, completely engrossed. I, and that was probably the first time I actually got deeply into the game where I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set stuff up. And that's where, that's where it got me. It got me in like a chess sense. You yeah. Know, a it, it is yeah. kind of like a chess match. Yeah. yeah. What with the, the different types of ships are good against some and bad against others. And you have to keep remaking your fleet to, uh, counter basically what's thrown at you. It is very much like chess. I never thought of it that way. It's a good, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where, um, I ended up just, uh, loving it. I'm definitely going to, keep playing the rest of these games or just if, if not for the gameplay just because it's so unique the story is yeah is definitely enticing so that that being said i were have to say right off the bat jason and i didn't finish so what we did was since there was three games in here nate was uh set to play Desert. deserts of karak jason was set to play homeworld one i was set to play homeworld two 
Jason and I did not finish, and there was different reasons for that, but I have played Home War 1 before, and I had finished it and back I, when I was a kid. Exactly, and I have watched Dan play it several times C- as correct. a kid. So I was like, I knew, I knew what I was going into. But, Nate... I finished three games this month. All of them. <laughs> I so we just look like them. assholes. Yeah. I got here early today and I was like, let's play a multiplayer match. We've got to play a multiplayer match. They're on like mission seven and mission eight. And both of these are 17 and 16 mission campaigns, I think. Don't quote me on that. Christ, really? <laughs> yeah, they're long. When you, it's more when than you were that. texting me about mission three like two days ago, I was like, there's no way uh, he's going to finish. I feel really but, bad. Like, no, they're, big. <laughs> they're, they're not weak uh, in terms of gameplay length. And that they're, they're long games. Definitely. But like the fact that it was like two days ago you were asking me about mission two or three and like today you're on mission seven means you you got into it like that's that's what these games do they'll suck you in for six hours and you're like shit and definitely but there's one thing about it where it kind of it's not necessarily like puts me off because it it it's what makes me go to this game but also makes me need to put down this game is it gives off this very like Battlestar Galactica vibe because yeah. like I mean the story is like kind of like it uh, in the sense of, like you know there's this what you're at least for from how far I got you're the rest of the race from this planet that in one here. yeah in one of course and then um so it just felt like yeah so I'm like always on edge and shit so I kind of had to like put it down it at does, some point it does definitely keep you on edge it, it can especially if you like play a mission and you lose it. It's really demoralizing because you spend the last 45 fucking minutes or whatever doing it. It's interesting that you brought up Battlestar Galactica because not even talking about like, the gameplay, but I think specifically the music, the music has a super Battlestar Galactica feel to it. And yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't do the research. I think Nate did. And chime in here if yeah. someone from Battlestar did so, the music. Uh, Alex Garden, the director of the game uh, development and one of the founding members of THQ, the, the publisher, and this was their founding game, in a 98 interview with PC Zone said, uh, the influences on the game are Battlestar Galactica, or it was a, a game that looked like Star Wars with the storyline of Battlestar Galactica. That was and their goal going into development. Homeworld 1? Yeah. And that was before the new Battlestar came out, if, I, yeah. if I'm yeah. Yeah, exactly. right in my yeah, timeline yeah. Which, here. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look a lot like the new Battlestar, because the, the camera is much more static, like the old Battlestar. But but uh, what I mean though is even in one the music had a Battlestar Galactica feel to it yep. before a new Battlestar Galactica feel to it before new Battlestar Galactica yeah, was even so, out yeah so that I I wonder if maybe there was some cross pollination yeah. yeah. You're saying uh, Ronald D. Moore might have played some Homeworld? He's in fucking everything, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> it's it's actually probable that I, he probably, did. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't I mean, think yeah, about like the target audience for both the TV show and the game are probably similar groups of people like, right. The people who love Star Trek want adventure. I love Star Trek. The people who love Star Wars want big epic battles. The people who love Battlestar Galactica want the big epic space adventure with the battles. And that's what this game, for me, delivered. Like, big epic boobies. Uh, also, speaking of the music, so I came over to these guys' house maybe four hours ago. And for about an hour and a half, they just keep saying, uh, can you get me a soda? Or what would you say? I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I don't remember now either because yeah. the music's not going but, on. So Jason's yeah. playing Homeworld 1 uh, remastered with the new music. And that, that was my piece. It was oh, his. Oh, was, yeah. So Homeworld so 2 remastered. Though, I'm, right? I'm, so I had heard it before. I'm not like thinking anything about it. And I, I'm like going through this epic battle. But I can like hear his... I, you know, we live together. We're in the command center. Our pieces are next to each other. So I can hear his game going off. 
and it's just you know this is a verse that is probably like gibberish i would assume yeah it's 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 a mission where they have this really atmospheric music in but it's like intense and they have like a chorus singing in what i think is a fake language i don't know it could just be like modulated but the audio comes off as hey would you guys get me a soda yeah hey would you guys get me a soda yeah so they were for like 40 minutes while i was i think i was typing something for work are saying hey would you get me a soda over and over again you're still in the room when this was affecting me and you i guess you were yeah you were typing up stuff for work so i was like son of a bitch this is gonna be stuck in my head and then not 20 minutes later i hear you saying the same thing and i'm just laughing my ass off because they're they just keep saying get me a soda Hey, would you grab me this back and forth? And I have no idea what's going on. I'm doing this freaking work BS. And then I hear it quietly. There's quiet in the room. And I suddenly hear the music sounds like it's saying, hey, would you get me a soda? And I just freaking lost my shit. Well, why wouldn't you get me a fucking soda, you dick? Because we only have beer and we're all already drunk. Right, besides. right, yeah. right, right. Seriously, it's like, a, I always think it's so unrealistic with uh, soda commercials where they're always like at the game or hanging out. Grab me that Pepsi. Everyone's, Who the fuck is doing that? Everyone's like cheering their cokes <laughs> together, like "fuck yeah, we scored!" Right. Yeah, sugar, diabetes. Speaking of drinks, something happened tonight that I didn't think would happen when we started talking about a podcast. We reached six months, six episodes today, right? This is our sixth. This will be episode six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so speaking of drinks, I'm drinking whiskey, and I think. Oh, no, you guys are right now. now. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I tried whiskey. to bring him whiskey so we'd stop having cracked beers in the mics. Daniel just missed an opportunity. He quietly danced across a room opening one under his shirt, which is just disappointing. Don't worry. It'll happen <laughs> at some point. We have about sure what, uh, 55 yeah. minutes left to go. It's on one of my notes to not do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, it's, it's on mine to do that because I can't have another glass of whiskey because the rocks jingle jangle in this cup. Like my balls? Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, Jay, so you were our new guy. Uh, and you're not an RTS player as well. Mm-hmm. You you liked the game. You liked what, what was it? Give me like your your if you if you never played it again. What's the highlight reel? Not of like gameplay mechanics, or I'm sorry, not of uh, like a a game breakdown. But what were the parts of the game that stood out to you? I mean, the story basically. I actually went and watched a couple of videos. That was just. Uh, it was basically a, I would assume a synopsis, but I I assume it was a synopsis, but only if you got more into depth. If there was like I don't know like. What are they called? Like codexes in video games, That's, where you can like get see into different stories. And I'm assuming uh, there are some in Deserts of Car- Deserts of Karak comes with about. It took me about five hours to read through it, and I have a fast. No, I have a slow reading speed, so probably like two hours for a normal person, maybe three. And he was literally like, it took me about ten minutes into that video. He sent me the first one. He He's was literally uh, reading this, the codexes uh, YouTube, of the game. Uh, sorry, uh, he is specifically this YouTube video. Um, Forget the guy's name. Forgive me. Um, he up. basically just has uh, one twenty-minute video and then one twelve-minute video, just basically on the politics and the history of the planet of Homeworld, which is hard for me to say because I always forget. Kardak, Kardak, Higara. No, oh no. yeah. Well, it starts off as Karak. Karak. Yeah. It's Karak. Yeah, yeah. Mad letter on YouTube. If it, yeah. If, it, if it, it was pretty good. Two hundred eighty-four uh, yeah. subscribers. Check out his videos. Exactly. Um, and um, I was re- full-blown interested in that. I, I definitely, like, if there's any, I which I assume are books, uh, maybe even audiobooks out there. No? I've, I don't think so. I've never seen it. I never looked, though. So, so That's I mean, very surprising, If honestly. you're interested, you got my Steam login. Log in and launch it. Like, download it launch it. And it, it gives you, you know, some games are like, do you want DX9, DX10? This one's like, do you want to play the game or do you want me to launch 
because they don't do manuals anymore, but this game, the original game, came out with in the age of manuals. And the manual was a book. I read every fucking page of it, and it was all lore and storyline. And so they did, uh, it's a separate program, it's like a, an interactive PDF where you click through, it's like 40 pages of backstory and storyline and the history. Yeah, that's awesome. Everything. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking on specifically lore, the guy's name, oh man. Keep going. No, mind. Yeah, yeah, we should yeah. we should say that Nate and I have played these games, or at least I played one many, many, many times when I was a kid. It was one of my favorite games when I was a child, and so much so that like when Jason was even younger than me, he's my cousin, and would be over my house and like watch me play the game. And I remember, and I'm sure you do too. He would call it the cell phone game <laughs> because yeah. at the we time, that in the last episode, the way the yeah the way the the um. The mothership looks looks like an old Nokia, which is I was thinking about it earlier, which is kind of funny because if we were to say that in now, no one would know why you call it the cell phone game because cell phone <laughs> games are just flat fucking screens. Which, if anybody's well, listening to all the podcasts in a row, about five minutes ago of or ten minutes ago in podcast creation, we just explained that at the very end of the last episode. Not only that, I mean, like anybody under like probably our age are like, what the fuck is Nokia? Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <that's> truth. <laughs> you mean the fake cell phone brand from the new Star Trek movies? Swing and a miss. Uh, I don't yeah, know what the fuck yeah. you're talking uh, about. When, when he steals, when young Kirk steals his dad's car, he, he oh, the interactive. I thought that's what thing you were is, talking about. It says Nokia about. on it, and I was like, oh shit, is Nokia still doing something? That was a big marketing push they did right before they went completely fucking totally bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to get our name back out there and broke? It's all for all right, we're done though. <laughs> all right, Nokia, so- Star Trek, sci-fi, homeworld. You speaking, never know. Speaking <laughs> of the lore and the writing, so the... the in the, the credits of the first game, there's a, a guy named Martin, I'm going to murder this, Cerulius or Corellius. Corellia. No, that's his name. That's actually his name. I just murdered it. Marcus Schuyler is in the credits. It's two people. Scriptwriter, Martin, that word, name I couldn't pronounce, and Aaron Dimbo. Aaron Dimbo... Shut up. I know, I know. He's got a funny name. Um, so you spent all that time in a guy's name that you can't pronounce and you forgot to, you just gloss over Dimbo? Dimbo yeah, well, seriously, come on. Listen, Bo, don't be dim. Uh, so he, Dimbo did a lot of the background lore. The writing was a combo team uh, credited as Marcus Schuyler by Curlis, Surlis. But so those guys, uh, Curlis specifically, went on to found Kerbos Interactive, which made Sword of the Stars. This This dude... I need to find him. Ground control, uh, all the homeworlds, and um, he worked on Cataclysm, the the non-homeworld homeworld that came out, which is a homeworld game, but it was made by a different studio. He literally, when I was reading about him, all the games he's ever made are games that I want to play. In addition, he's made several tabletop games, which I'm going to subject you two assholes to. No, you're not. Mm. Oh. Uh, I'll beat <laughs> you. Sounds kinky. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's the thing that I always thought was weird or not weird i just kind of wondered about until i did the research like 10 minutes ago i remember when i had bought homeworld one like you said it came with a manual and all that and in the manual it described itself as a 4x and i know now what a 4x is just because i i've played so many of them but i didn't know what the 4x stood for do either of you guys know yeah yeah a while back but explain it to me like i don't Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i think let me take a step step. it was um 4x so 4x has been kind of the big epic strategy game. So when you when you in the intro said this was 4X, I was like, I, I consider this like 3-5. It's not full 4X. No, 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 no. You're misunderstanding. The 4X is stand for something. 
Well, like it's an acronym. Exonerate, yeah. exonerate, exonerate, <laughs> Excalibur. Xena, xenophobe, xylophone. That's three. Didn't you say? Oh, four. Don't Shit. bring up his <laughs> laugh of, lack of mag- um, medical knowledge. Ex- exhibit. Just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> exhibit! <laughs> so, 4X, which I found out today, stands for Explore, Expand, Exploit, and Exterminate. Well, but that doesn't even make sense. Explores with an E first. Okay, Exhibit. <laughs> exhibit is X. No, no, that starts with an E, you fucking idiot. It starts idiot. with it's a P. X. It starts exhibit. with P because he pimps your ride. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Either way, this is why, this, going back to the, the, the actual uh, discussion of the genre, I don't think that, because this isn't, like, in terms of exploit, really, Desert Sakurak had two resource options. Everything else had one. And so, like, it's not, I would say it's like 3.5, because... You're still exploiting resources. Yes, uh. but you're just harvesting them. Like, whereas, think of, um, what's, what's the big one? The big space one. I know you've played it. It's a Paradox game. Oh, uh, man. Stellaris? Stellaris? Like that's a four X. Civ would be a four X to me because you you're finding different resources to exploit. You're finding different. It doesn't matter how many there are. You're still exploiting resources. I, I'm just saying uh, yes. in the in the vein of the genre, that's what it is. And it I, is a guys, 4X. guys, like, guys. I've still have not been explained what a four X that I already I, know what it is. Ah, okay. He just explained it. <laughs> I just said <laughs> explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. There are RTS or or turn based strategies, so TBS, uh, that are basically. They're really large developing games. Hearts of Iron, Daniel uh-huh. and I was playing, that's a 4X. Okay, okay. Games that, that literally you can't sit down and play for like an hour. You have to play for hours on end. And that, but that's what it goes Not back. necessarily a grand strategy, but getting close to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Always a grand strategy. Yeah, that's strategy, what I assume. Yeah. That's what it, like. Well, because this is a very tactical game. Yeah. There's, there's not really strategy in it. You come into a mission and you do it, it's tactical. Which is maybe it's one of the... It's not, like, big picture. The the idea that you... Well, isn't that not semantics between, like, the definition of... Or, like, between tactical no. and strategic? Well, no. Yeah. That's not semantics but, at all. No. Tactical is battle. Strategic is is kind of, like, setting everything up for battle. So, for instance, if you're going to compare, in my mind, what your quintessential strategic grand strategy game is, Hearts of Iron, you're managing the economy of a country, you're managing your politics, you're managing the troop movements, as well as trading everything manufacturing mm-hmm. the equipment for the troops to use in this you're just building units and fighting with them I you see, have I to see. you have okay. to harvest resources I of see course what you're yeah. but you're not you're not doing the politics and all that this is just like here you are here's the mission here's you got the kill now that would be Star galactica the game yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's the element so like the, my, the core of my my the reason i'd say this is three five and not four is that there's not as much focus on the the big thing that makes it and what i think was one of the founding members of 4x games is that your fleet is persistent what you end mission one with, you go into mission two with. So if you have a really rough loss in mission two, mission three is suddenly much harder. If you, like, uh, watching you, you lost all your bombers and fighters fighting the little the keepers of the garden, the next mission was going to be more difficult because you didn't have them. Now, one of the reasons it's also 4X is that it, it had the adaptive the adaptive AI fleet composition. So if you came in, like if you got the crap kicked out of you and you came into a mission with only a resource harvester, two scouts, and your mothership, it would taper down the enemy fleet. If that if that was still going to be a really hard mission, it was still going to be a hard mission, but it was going to taper down the number of ships the enemy had. So, so are you saying that by what I was doing, at least in one, which uh, Dan was explaining that you don't really have, you can't really do it in two, is... I was able to gather resources before I hyperspace to the next mission, 
And then I was able to build up my fleet. By doing so, I was making the next mission harder. Agreed. Yes. 100%. Okay. Now, so in- yeah, but but the, the problem with that is, which I've had with one when I was playing it through one of the several times, is if you if you choose to not harvest all the resources available to you, you're still, like, since it tapers the, the enemy fleet, you're still going to take probably the same proportion of losses while you're fighting. And then when you get towards the end levels, mm-hmm. you're not going to have the resources to then build your fleet back up. Yeah. You'll have to go back a couple levels after you beat the said level. You stop, you harvest all the resources available. No, I understand that, but it seemed like the better strategy would have been to get all those resources before hyperspacing, hyperspacing to the next mission, and then building your fleet. And that is right. that is correct. But uh, it is, but it can it can be dangerous because there's a lot of missions where you get attacked immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's there's and if you, it's a trade off. Like the first game of the series that I ever played, I had the Prima official strategy guide. And it ruined it for me because I knew what was going to happen in the next mission. So in one mission, it's like, yo, put all your fighters in your carrier, not in your mothership. Because if you put them all in your mothership at the beginning of the next mission, you've got saboteurs aboard who blow up a bunch of stuff on your ship and they basically blow up your hangar bay. It doesn't get destroyed, but none of your fighters can launch till you fully repair the ship. So the, the Prima guide told me, throw everything in your carriers, all your fighters and corvettes. So when I started the next mission, I had an unfair advantage. Now... In the first game, at launch, it adapted to you. And if you rolled in, if you captured every ship and rolled in with five destroyers and a heavy cruiser, the enemy fleet was going to be much stronger. But you don't know what the next mission is. Like, when you were, when the mission you were playing, you jumped into a, a nebula to hide, and suddenly you're attacked by some really crazy strong fighters. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that was going to happen. So the, the, the gamble is... And granted, I, as far as I knew, when I played it the first several times and, and re, until researching for this podcast, I didn't know that the fleet adapted to my strength level. So I never even considered not building. Like, did you ever, at the end of a mission, not rebuild a, a shattered Corvette force or a frigate squadron? Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, you'd always rebuild it because you wanted to make sure the next mission was exactly. good. Exactly, and I also wanted to, like, preset my uh, squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got your you've got your, your medium engagement, your heavy engagement, your early and fast. You mm-hmm. know, like, and, but that's... I think one of the reasons it is 4X is that it, it's persistent. You are, especially in the first one, this fleet fighting to get to your homeworld. And it it is the grand strategy, the, the explore, the exterminate, the exploit is crossing the fucking galaxy to get home. And you didn't even know you had the home 90 years ago. Um, Spoiler alert. Fuck you. Yeah, I, I not said, Daniel, I've said it every the single listeners. time. Yeah, I, I have I know, to. I know, but at this point, I'm just dropping F-bombs at you. Ah, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> so what was your uh, least favorite part of the game, Jason? Well, uh, before we do that, actually, yeah, as a newcomer, I, I actually written, written wrote down a couple of questions that I had for either of you that maybe you could answer. Interesting. A couple. I we, think there was one. There was a couple that I had, but I think I only wrote down one. At least for the first one, I don't know if it's different. So in the first one, you had defenders which were like separate from your interceptors basically what i did was and what i saw them do before i researched them and got them was put them around your frigates and then i i set them on defend and then whenever like everybody comes in shit goes down they're just defending my frigates no matter what so you know you which i didn't realize until today that you had a cap on uh how many like i guess ships or whatever you could have defenders in i guess they're classed as fighters Everybody else was, like, capped at 70, which is, like, the maths for all fighters. But defenders were capped at, like, 35. Like, half of everything else. Do you... 
know why that was? Why they would be capped so lower than the rest of the fighters? Nate? It's the application. So defenders are heavy armor, uh, three guns on actuated turrets. And the idea is that the turrets can, like, the, your interceptor, your scout, your bomber. Uh, are there any other fighters? I don't think there are. I didn't yeah, play yeah. one on this one, so yeah. it's not fresh. But in my so mind. like all of their guns are fixed; they're spinal mounted. They face where the cockpit is facing. So the idea is the whole ship moves to fire its guns. The defender just points itself in one direction, and it's got three guns that are on 180 swivel mounts. And the idea is when fighters are coming in, these guns, at least in the lore from, all right, I'm going to reference the Homeworld Cataclysm manual. Uh, these guns are swiveled and the idea is they fire a shit ton of shots really quickly and then they have to pause to reload they're really slow heavy armor and the idea is a wave of interceptors or a wave of bombers comes in and you've got 10 defenders around a frigate or a destroyer i had 12 they yeah. they drown the motherfuckers in rounds and they knock half of them out of the air and then they have to stop to reload reducing the initial damage this incoming uh, fighter wave can do so basically the reason that there's l a lower cap is because they're more valuable. They're they're stronger than your standard interceptor or bomber. Yes and no. Yes, and everything I just mentioned, including their armor. The downside is their max speed is probably slower than some of your frigates. They are really fucking slow. They are meant to defend your heavy ships from being mobbed. Because if you look at all the heavy ships in one, the frigate up, they're all all their guns face forward. The assault frigate's guns can swivel a little bit, but it's only like a 30-degree arc. Mm. The idea is they focus all their pain on one target, and they lay into it, going up to the heavy cruiser. The counter to that is really fast, light ships that can do some damage. Bombers. So the idea is, if you build a heavy cruiser, it thing is worth the investment to put 10 defenders around it. They don't need to be fast, because they're just riding in a sphere around your heavy cruiser, covering it from incoming bombers. Exactly, and that's yeah. literally what I did. So, like, they saved my i had a a group that was three ion frigates three assault frigates two support frigates and then 12 defenders right around that uh the last mission i would have been gone all <laughs> god rest their soul all the defenders died <laughs> but my frigates were just fine <laughs> i want to quote something from about 40 a minute 40 minutes ago Daniel's playing the game, and he goes, God, I hope those scouts were unmanned. And I went, they're not, but they are now. As I'm looking over, and they're just exploding on his screen. Technically the truth. <laughs> they could have been women. So you you had, how many questions do you have? Like I said, I I had several, but I think I only wrote down one. Um, because oh, yeah. Well, okay, so my other one, it's not so much a question. I mean, you'll be able to answer this or, like, retort to the statement, but that's Torio Blue. I don't know what the fuck, like... The tutorial. Yeah, I, it dropped oh. me in, like, it essentially gave me, like, one, like, third of what I need to know. And there was like, you're equipped to play Homeworld. And I was like, I am? Here's <laughs> the thing about it. I see where you're coming from, but I also feel like the first two to three missions in Homeworld 1 are a tutorial. They baby you all the way. Beyond... And they tell you exactly what to do, when to do it, and where to do it. So I feel like it's like, here's the controls, here's the camera, here's how this game is meant to be played, and now you're ready to play. Mm -hmm. And then the first three missions are like, now here's how you really play. Yeah, the, the, the tutorial is, here's how you interact with the interface of all the data you've got coming into you. Um, like, how do you... <laughs> shut up. I didn't even I didn't feel that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. After the credits, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about putting data into people. But right now, let's keep on the game. But uh, no, like that 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 how to control a ship, how to move, make the ship move up and down, how to make the ship move forward and back. The tutorial was meant to like introduce you to how the game runs, how how to move ships around because it's a big interface compared to a lot of games. Like I love RTSs and I love complex interfaces and I love over complexity 
you guys know this shit. But almost to a fault. Yeah, like Holy <laughs> Four came out. I was like, what do you mean I don't get to choose the colonels in charge of the latrine? Well, that's the thing, though. I didn't. That that's one of the things I hate about RTS is when the interface is so complicated. Where I'm just like, it's harder to learn right. how to play the game. But than to play I the did game. not find that. Um, there was a lot of things that were hidden. Like, what was it that I found out the other day where I was just, like, happened to be hovering over uh, buildings, and it, and it was like, um, oh, yeah, it was showing the weaknesses and It strengths. was the ships. It were, <laughs> he didn't realize, and this is this was, like, yesterday, where he was like, oh, if you go to the build menu, hover over the ships, it'll tell you what they're good against, what they're weak against. I was like, you didn't fucking know that? Yeah, yeah I was just like, <laughs> I've just been winging it, man. And and they, <laughs> they tried to no pun intended. introduce the ships to you in a method that we're being attacked by a, a long-range missile. So in Homeworld 2, they do a really good job of this. In Homeworld 1, they don't. It's an older game. Back in the day, here's the game, deal with it, bitch, was kind of the, the attitude. Think of think of Street Fighter, that which was the 80s, no, how I hard that I, was. Yeah. But like in Homeworld 2, they do a really great job of, you're being attacked by a long-range missile frigate. It has no fighter defenses. You need to build bombers. We've now allowed you to build bombers. And they teach you through the first five missions. In Homeworld 1, they don't do as good of a job because... That's that was, that was that. the gaming culture, and, and that because R- RTS has ruled gaming throughout the entire nineties. They were like sixty percent of the market share until the two thousands for PC. I would have, yes, yeah. yeah, but but gaming in the nineties was there were Mario no RTSs or PC. on yeah. console that time. No, because because console games were at the time console and PC. It's not. It's only in the modern age, like since two thousand, where we've really seen a lot of cross platform. Right. Because back in the day, it didn't happen. So, like, when you played the early PC games, were adventure games, text based. You typed in what you were doing. Like, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah. Um, Which maybe we should do one of those in the future, dude. No. Was it not I, no? Adventure I, Time is supposed to be. Uh, what's the uh, the old adventure game from like '86? The one you, from Ready Player One. Yes, I yeah. literally played it on PC Gamer. Put out a uh, uh, great like public domain games, and one of them was this game. And I tried to play it so many times because it was supposed to be one of the best. It's the, the where I found XCOM was on this game disc, and I could not figure out. It's like pick up sword. Use sword. Please use sword. Stop <laughs> yeah, dying, you I, bitch. I, I, Mother may I. <laughs> and honestly, that goes towards my kind of like, not necessarily loathing of this type of game, but where maybe it's my like unga boonga <laughs> type of mentality where it's like, I'd rather be shooting the gun than telling this person to shoot the gun in this game. Yeah. You know, like... I Absolutely no. I, 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 I don't think of that as unga boonga at all. It, it, I, I think of it as, as we're products of our environment and like, Tesla came out with a bunch of auto integrations that are beyond anything. And now we are, as a market, sick of the old automotives. We are products of our environment in that, like, I don't want a game I have to learn. I want a game I have to play. That's not necessarily what I mean. Of course, I want to. I want to. I I understand what you're saying. But for for me, (laughs) what what I'm thinking is, like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, like for example, in Homeworld, while I loved... Uh, it's like a chess game. I love doing that. I still found found myself sitting there for a little bit, just watching shit happening, and not necessarily I'm getting bored, but I can still, if I'm aware of me sitting there not doing anything, watching shit happen. Eh. See, I think that that is not this is better, this is worse thing. I think it's just a different play style that a preference you have besides me and Nate, because I know Nate and I like a lot of the same games. And I think that there's a different kind of pleasure to be found in, I've set this whole thing up, I'm ready to do it, and I'm going to go do it now. And then you watch the fruits of your labor, so to say, play out exactly how you want it to do, and then you react to different changing circumstances in the game, rather than, I'm going to go in, guns blazing, and I'm going to react 
in the moment to everything that's going on rather than like I feel good about myself or setting everything up correctly. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I foresaw it was going to happen and I set it up strategically and now it's going to happen rather than I'm just going to go in and wing it, which I think both are fun, but I find pleasure in kind of like having that strategic mind rather than tactical, which is what we were kind of talking about earlier. Tactical versus strategic. Yeah, yeah, Which both are fun, but I don't know. I find the strategy a little bit more fun on my side, which is why I think that this is one of the only RTSs that I actually really like. You can pause it. You can strategize. You can adapt to what your enemy is sending at you. You can recycle. Like, I don't know any other RTS where, let's say you build, like in StarCraft, you build a shit ton of Marines, and then they send... I don't know what kills Marines in StarCraft, but they send a bunch of those at you. Bunkers and more bunkers. You can't you can't then take those Marines and then get all your resources back from them and build something else. You can do that in this. So you build up a whole fleet to fight this other fleet, and then in the next mission, if that fleet doesn't work anymore, you can recycle the whole thing, get all your resources back, and remake the entire thing based on what you're facing. Which I think is a little bit more fun. And <laughs> Remember to open your beer in the mic, not in your shirt, there sir. it is. <laughs> I was waiting. God, I was waiting. You're so welcome, long. guys. LaCroix. LaCroix. Was that a LaCroix? Yeah. That is a PBR, sir. That is a gold-winning LaCroix. That is a Pabst Blue Ribbon. So I will say, if I had my druthers about playing this game and not having to uh, do it for the podcast, I would have, for the sake of the story, probably played the prequel first. Probably went with with deserts just so I could get that story and then went into homeworld. Just be- and also because that it's from gameplay wise, it's incredibly different because it's it took away the four what is it four D aspect. It's now four X four X aspect. Yeah, it, yeah, it was it, three, yeah. Deserts of Karak was That's a, a uh, what do they call that a, a two point a two point one or two point five RTS and yeah and what, had, and what was home like the original homeworld's was, a three D in that your yeah. ships can move up and down. There's three three axes whereas Deserts, everything's on. Now, granted, there is altitude, like, like normal, like a yeah. like normal RTS. Yeah. yeah, there is altitude, and if your units are up high on a hill, they get some some range advantage. And then you have air units, but they are they're kind of they're kind of sh- fire and forget. You can select them in the air and redirect them. It's not like with Command and Conquer where you better have your your orcas control grouped because mm-hmm. if you don't, you can't select them in the air. But I assume that with. changed like. I mean, it's homeworld in name only, I would assume, in gameplay, because it's, it just put it back towards, besides the, like, because I did see in some uh, gameplay from watching that video earlier, uh, like you said, the, the, like, there was a unit atop of a, like, a sand dune, and there was other, like, yeah, there's, people. There's, so there's there is that altitude, aspect, but yeah. it's obviously not as drastic but then as there's being also in space. air units, yeah, whereas in, you're in space, you have three dimensions of movement in homeworld original. So that is that is a thing that I kind of wanted to ask about because I played Desert of Karak, I think like two years ago when it, like it first came out for a little bit and I enjoyed it for what it was but I never really got into it. I think I was on vacation at the time so I got distracted and never came back to it. But I was I only played it because I was interested in the lore. I didn't I don't I don't like RTSs. I like Homeworld one and two. But I hate RTSs because I'm really bad at them. But isn't StarCraft an RTS? So you like StarCraft. StarCraft? Yeah, but who doesn't like StarCraft? Yeah, StarCraft isn't... So StarCraft... Warcraft as well. But he right, but again, the- also, I was way more into the lore of those two universes than yeah. I was into the games. And that, I, like, so- I read all the books and, and everything. That's true. But I am interested to know how how far into the lore did, the, did that game go? 
Was was it was it heavy into the lore, or was it just kind of like a, a pull, like trying to money grab off of? The... I'm gonna I'm gonna drag in two statements made. A, you saying you wanted to play them in chronological order. Jason saying that, uh, and and knowing you and your your really enjoyment of deep lore, and, and we're maybe not in video gaming, but like knowing who you are and, and that. You, you talk about things and you're like, this story's so great. And I like watch it. I'm like, this, it looks like shit. And you're like, no, the story will draw you in. Meaning a lot of manga, not manga, but um, like anime and other things. And br- One Piece. Yeah. Bringing in, <laughs> bringing in what you just said. When Deserts of Karak came, first came out, and I'm the fat kid, not now. Not uh. now. Oh my God. I am now. I'm the fat kid again. Um, Me too. But yeah, well, hey, but you, you, you shed a shit ton of weight. Like, you're not the fat kid anymore like you were five years ago. When Deserts came out, I played it on release. Uh, you were on tour, and Nick and I were living at home back at our old place. And uh, it came out, and I played like four missions, and I was like, this is, and this is where you come in, Jay. I had to call you and ask you what it was called like three weeks ago. We were talking on the phone. It was like, this is retcon bullshit. Because I sat at home at fucking 12, 13, 14, 15 playing all the games, reading the manuals alone while I cried at my lack of friends. And I lived in the neighborhood with you and I just just never hung out. Um, Asshole. Yeah. Well, it's because you didn't like me. Because all I want to do is come over and play Halo on your Xbox. Asshole. Yeah. Well, nothing's changed. I'm just not as fat as I once was. But now I like you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But like when Homeworld came out, the manual, I very vividly remember there's this talk of they launched an orbital scan. So when they first reached the space age, prior to finding anything, they just reached on their own the way we did, you know. But there's no moon, so they didn't strive for the moon. They just let's let's see if we can launch. I never somewhere. noticed that that there isn't a moon. Yeah, yeah you're they right. don't yeah. have a moon. Yeah. And uh, there's so many videos on that I could talk about. Not related to this podcast. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> but so they they first launched their first like satellite, the the Karakians at the time, and they detect this orbital belt of debris around their planet, and they're like, "What the hell is all this?" And the they Kithith, I think they're called right. The 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 Kithid is plural. Kithid, of, yeah. I'll get in. I can go deep on lore if you want, but Kithid is the large family group. So Kithid is a plural. The Kith would be like a country to members of Earth. Americans okay. versus America. Uh, we, mm, it was basically yes, that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, the Kith would be a country. The Kithid would be the plural of Kith. So, yeah. But Kith also, mean, also means family. Um, it's it's the family groupings. That's how their country is. Kindred. Yeah, yeah. Basically similar. Um, but so they, they get up to orbit and they find this orbital belt. And so they grab some shit. They pull it down. They grab it. And they're like, holy crap. This yeah, is, that's basically the last thing I this saw. This is yeah. advanced metallurgical stuff. This There's clearly something out there. So they start launching satellites to look out because they, they very rapidly mine out this orbital belt of old ship parts. It's like in Mass Effect when, you, exactly. when they find exactly the Mass exactly Effect. Exactly like in Mass Effect. Mars. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, so they launch this one deep scan uh, satellite that's specifically looking for metals because the metals that they're finding are A, super valuable because they can only live in the poles on their own fucking planet, and B, valuable because it's advanced metallurgy that they have yet to accomplish. This satellite has uh, an X inversion. So rather than facing outward, it's facing inward. It orbits three or four times before the coders check it, edit the code, and have it flick back out. And then they look at the data it drew up, and they find this big metal object in the center of the desert. It's the Kartoba. It's the ship that brought them to Karak from their homeworld. And they find one. Then when Deserts of Karak came out, they're like, we found millions! And during the game, you have to find these relics, and every time you find one, there's a little uh, chunk in I it. would be pissed. I okay. was furious. Yeah, I didn't yeah. play it for two years. It came out in 2016, 14? Deserts? Um, yeah. Came I mean, out in 2016, in yeah. January. I didn't play it again until like 2017 late or 2018, because I was just furious that it broke the canon established by the original manual yeah, for the original game. They Which, found like the one core in so the deserts. Yeah. The pissed off stepdad 
My stepdad was pissed because I printed the manual in color. The manual is entirely <laughs> blue. Everything is blue. It's shades of blue. I burned our ink cartridge to the ground. And he's like, Boston, Junior, if you want to print stuff off, you just tell me we can print off in a ways to save some ink. And I was like, uh, I don't know how to park a car in a parkway or car park in a parkway, whatever Bostonians do. But like, he was furious because I printed off like, 150 sheets of paper and every different chapter had a fully blue sheet of paper with a white white lettering i was destroyed like 40 dollars worth of ink but by the end of the book it was coming out yellow and i couldn't but i mean why. worth it agreed i have all didn't of my beat me for that i have for all it. of my manuals sitting right over here yeah and I treasure those mm -hmm. because you can never get them again. When we moved out of the old place, they don't I threw make out, them anymore. In my bookshelf, there was a green binder. If you ever saw it, it was an inch and a half it's binder. I remember it. That was the manual for Homeworld One that I printed off PDF. You threw it out. I, I threw out my bookshelf. You I, son of a bitch! Like literally, more than half the books on my bookshelf currently are my dad's, and then the the other half is the ones I read regularly. So why did I throw that one out? Because it was an inch and a half wide. You know what? I'm just gonna throw this out here. If we ever become like a popular podcast, help us, guys. I think that game companies should release maybe not even physical copies of discs or whatever, but if you want to pay like five, ten, fifteen dollars extra, send me maps and manuals and, Just make and a fucking PDF. Tech trees. So no, fuck that, because I have what, to print it out myself. But that's I what want, Deserts did. That's oh, what want, those videos were about. Physical copy is what yeah. you're saying. Those, those videos that, that yeah. you watched that you sent me on YouTube, the one I referenced earlier with the guy with two hundred some odd subscribers, he was literally showing gameplay behind reading the manual. No, yeah, that's yeah. yeah and exactly, it was amazing because yeah. it was a PDF manual. I would love games to come out with like, you know, there's the gold, premium, standard, platinum uh, Omicronium, whatever editions, unobtainium, uh, and that's oh, no, 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 PC gaming edition? that I can have a gripe about in another fucking podcast. But I would, <sighs> I would love for a special edition to come out, and it's like, here's fifty bucks for a game, here's sixty bucks, we'll mail you a fucking manual. We're getting ten thousand of them printed. Who wants this? That's what I'm talking that's, about. I would love that. I love that shit. Maybe that's just us being old guys now. Well, we are. I mean, like, <laughs> we check each other's prostates on the regular. We got manuals. To Don't read. Want me in with you two? I want the PDF at least. <clears throat> Man, fuck the PDF. Damn I want to put it in my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to pull it out in. Is 20 that your years. generation of fuck the police? <laughs> fuck the fuck PDF. The PDF. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Snowden was right. It is a data culture. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm okay with admitting that maybe I am becoming one of those grumpy old men, but I want a physical copy of things that I'm paying for when it comes to. Art, because game manuals back then were art. I'll agree with that. Like, I wouldn't, like, I'm a comic book fan. I wouldn't want a graphic novel in a PDF or whatever the fuck they're called on emotion. I think they're called, like, emotion. War comic. War Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness. Their lead, not their lead artist, but one of their artists was named Chris Metzen. Yeah, that was he, my nickname in, in high school. He's now. the the VP of storyline, yeah. and he does an amazing job. No, he just got, he just got um, promoted. Or he was. The now leader, he's so in charge of, now. like, everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. And, like, I remember. Reading the Warcraft 2 manual and seeing like there was some good art, some bad art, and there was one guy, because they all signed him, that always had good art. Occasionally too much ink, but at the same time, always great. And there were like, there was another artist that was always good, but his were always great. And like that sort of, I want to say, creative inspiration, that artistic ability leads into developing decent plot, leads into developing a good storyline because you want attention to detail. And exactly. And that's that's what these games are. Like these games going sorry, I'm, I am leading into something. 
Blackbird. Blackbird, who created Desert Sakarak, was founded by the founding members of, not the founding members, but some of the founding members of THQ, which found it was founded by, in the creation of Homeworld, or they founded the studio and then made Homeworld. That attention to detail, attention to storyline, attention to canon, in my mind, when Deserts came out and they had multiple things, it pissed me off. It was retconning because they were digging it to create a game. They were doing it out of love and going back and playing Deserts through. They really were. They have a commitment to this game and the lore they made and the the, the universe they created for, at the time, me, a 13-year-old. They did retcon it a bit, but they did it with, with a passion that wasn't a money grab that, like, really, these games... I'll play three. I didn't like one or two, but I'll play three because, God, I love this team. What do you mean you didn't like one or two? All right. You're so full of shit. I started on Cataclysm. I guess I started on Barking Dogs. Let's, I guess that's a good segue to, like, best and, like, least favorite. No, no, no. This was a perfect segue to our bonus, which we alluded to the last episode. Nate played Cataclysm, which is not even called Cataclysm. And I don't... Emergence. Homeworld Emergence. Emergence. Nate, just tell everyone what happened with the naming. So, Homeworld Cataclysm was the first video game named Cataclysm. World of Warcraft Cataclysm came out. One of the best expansions to World of Warcraft. The one that got me back into it. I'm not into it anymore. What about Wrath of the Lich King? Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do a different podcast on that one. We'll scream at each other the entire time. No one will listen. (laughs) Looking forward to it. (laughs) Me too, honestly. (laughs) But so Homeworld Cataclysm came out, and it was Homeworld was so popular, they started immediately into the dev of Homeworld 2, but Homeworld 1 had already run like 18 months long. Now, granted, Homeworld was given a two-year dev time. They spent 16 months in dev, and they spent eight months polishing it. So this is a long... That's a fucking awesome ratio and, and exactly and that's why like we'll get to the remasters later but i'm not a fan because it lacks that in my mind now granted modern game development is different but they were they started homeworld 2 and the team wanted to be loyal to homeworld 1 but the publisher from my understanding and i don't have any citations on this this isn't in the wiki this is my opinion wanted something right now give me something new that i can sell on the the tales of homeworld 1 and so they they contacted barking dog a different studio and they made Homeworld Cataclysm in the engine, and oh my god. So it's 16 years after you retake the home planet, and it's... it's Spoil. You, yeah, shut up. <laughs> 15 years. But the intro videos, it's got all the THQ trademarks. The black and white hand-animated images that the camera moves on during the, the, the narration. The man's voice is so deep. Everything's perfect and flawless. And then the gameplay was everything I wanted in Homeworld 1 that wasn't there... Granted, I did play Homeworld 1 significantly later, um, but like it was it was flawless. This was my first game into the series. When I went back and played Homeworld 1, I was angry because simple little interface things in Homeworld 2 weren't there. You're talking about remastered, right? No, no. no I'm talking about going back and playing Homeworld 1 when I was a teenager because I played Homeworld Cataclysm first, which came out like a year and a half later. Okay. And like it had everything. And your enemy is uh, basically a... a, a What's a, a cellular Borg? The Flood? The No. Well, no, because the Flood are, are human-sized. The Borg are human-sized and ship-sized. The Beast is cellular. That's their level. They, they are a cell. It's a, it's a biomechanical virus. Well, that virus. is the Borg, isn't it? They well, the Borg cell. have to take a body, and they inject the nano... The, the, the nanites. The nanites. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that come out of the nanotubules. And uh, Terry Ryan is 7 to 9? Oh, Jerry. Jerry. Jerry Ryan. Ryan. 
Oh, okay. oh, she's going to be in Picard. So, yeah, I am. Everybody just, let's just take a few seconds to get our heart rates under control, and then we'll start talking again about this video game. But the Beast is a cellular uh, cellular nanovirus. It's a, it's a partially mechanical, partially biological cell that takes over something at a cellular level. When, it, when a Beast beam or a Beast cruise missile hits a fighter, it needs something to control all the systems. What it does is rip apart the pilot at a cellular level to reassemble them as Jesus a neural Christ. control network. Dude, when you beat Homeworld uh, Cataclysm, the images, they show these grizzled fucking pilots in these modern space helmets. And then it flashes, and they show a skeleton screaming, and all the flesh is ripped apart, touching every control interface in the cockpit. Oh, so dark, so good. It's so (laughs) perfect. And going back to my research on Homeworld, the weakness, the strengths were the plot. The weaknesses were the difficulty curve and a few minor bugs. Cataclysm had the time to take that original engine, play the first game, polish those bugs till they weren't bugs. They were just super shiny beetles that were content, and it was so flawless. And the one fault I've ever had with Homeworld 1 was your fleet is unlimited in Homeworld 1, not the remaster, but the original Homeworld is unlimited. You can build whatever the hell you want. You can capture as many ships as you want. But the way they keep you semi-low strength, because even though the AI is adaptive in terms of its fleet composition, it's limited. It can't just create a super fleet they their limiting factor to you was resources given so if you made a mistake and you lost that new destroyer you just built if you lost that wing of bombers you sent in up against defenders uh, you're fucked that makes i sense. love that though and that's it, it's unforgiving it's it. old school game and i i've learned to love that in homeworld one two and deserts you're not just playing missions you're playing the game exactly yeah. whereas cataclysm limited you by support units the idea was with Homeworld 1, you had the mothership. You had the last of your population. Mm-hmm. You had 600,000 mm-hmm. of, according to Homeworld, I think like uh, half a billion according to Homeworld. No, Desert. it wasn't a billion. It was a million. Right, because yeah. right, like... Uh, de- hold on, hold on. I'm getting there. According to Homeworld's manual, half a billion. According to Desert of Karak, 260 million, which would be a quarter billion. Desert of Karak, that's one more thing they retconned, which pissed me off initially, was that in the Homeworld... But doesn't that make sense, though, for like a freaking desert planet? I think for half a billion is 500 million versus 260. But they had established a number in the Homeworld 1 manual, and they retconned it with Cataclysm, which which aggravated me. Oh, uh, grumpy men. I am. I'm so <laughs> grumpy about it. And that's, but, but I've learned to love this game because they. I've learned to love Homeworld. I started on Cataclysm, but they, they limited you with uh, support units. So you had a really big ship called the Kunlan, which was like, it was a Mothership-class vessel. But the Mothership had the last 600,000 individuals of your fucking species on it. You got 600,000 people, you can find 20,000 people who can can be trained into pilots. So you have an unlimited number of pilots, therefore an unlimited number of fighters. With the Kunlan, you had support modules, which had uh, people in stasis, sleepers, but they were pilots. They were mechanics. They were whatever. So you were limited by your total fleet capacity, limited by I see. your support okay, modules, okay. your hangar bays. Your carriers could carry support modules as well, which were these exterior modules that were super I just soft. point out, though, that at least in the remastered versions, which Jay and I played, you are, you are fleet limited. You have a fleet limit. Now, there were in the multiplayer of the original Homeworld 1, it fleet limited for uh, the fact that assholes named Nate Lamb in Tampa would build <laughs> 20,000 mine layers and lay 20 million mines and say, fuck you to the entire group of people who were playing this online game. So they fleet limited you for processor you're ability guy. and bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Yo, mine so you're being better. a Nick, pretty much. We found yeah, him. No, we found him. No, no, because Nick... Nick beats people. I just made it so that people no. couldn't win. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Nick would build all resource 
controllers and all resource harvesters and just get all the resources and leave you to starve. That's what he would do. You know what a a great multiplayer strategy was back in the day, especially in Homeworld 1. It didn't work in Cataclysm as far as I know. You build a shit ton of scouts. You send them to, so the three of us are playing a multiplayer game. I build a shit ton of scouts. Let's say I build 40 scouts. I send 20 to Jason's start area and 20 to yours. And you know what I have those scouts do? Attack your asteroids, which then blow up and turn to nothing. Non-harvestable Good day, sir. You lose. You cannot. <laughs> and meanwhile, the only, right. the only resources left on the map are mine. First time I played a multiplayer game in Homeworld and Homeworld Cataclysm, that shit happened to me. And it's it's the Zergling Rush. The, yeah. the proper player learns to counter, but the first time player, Even I the know game the experience Zergling is ruined. Is. And, and it, it is the Zergling Rush of this yeah, I game. Think, I think Zergling Rush has become kind of like a, <laughs> if not mainstream term, a gamer. An understandable term on gamers in terms of, yeah. Yeah, everyone knows what a Zergling Rush is. I do have to say, real quick, though, um, as far as the remastered versions go, when, I th- who was it? THQ bought Relic. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but they, they bought them, and they were the ones who made the remastered. And they bought, I think, for like $1.3 million. Like, it was kind of like peanuts, really. So, uh, here's here's my, this is straight out of Wikipedia for uh, Desert Sakarak. Straight out of Wikipedia! Straight out of Wikipedia! <laughs> Oh, hold up. Wrong one. Oh, God. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, Gearbox bought the IP of Homeworld during THQ's bankruptcy in 2013. So they didn't buy the whole studio. They bought the IP because Gearbox knew they wanted to make more Homeworld games and they wanted to make the remastered. But they didn't buy the whole studio. That's why it seems like such a low value because they didn't buy. They didn't say THQ. We don't want uh, Company of Heroes. We don't want Company of Heroes 2. We don't want somebody to come up with a really bad THQ game. There's a lot. Jeff plays pinball and you watch the game. THQ, why did you ever make that? What the fuck are you talking I about? I made up a game that THQ... I don't know if that THQ ever made a bad oh, so game. You were staring <laughs> him in the eyes when you said that. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not Jeff and I don't know what you're saying I, to me. I lock eyes intently when I lie. You may <laughs> notice I do that a lot during poker. Uh, <laughs> I have. Why do you think I always win? <laughs> but... Um, yeah, they didn't. They just bought the IP of Homeworld. I, as far as I know, according to Wikipedia on dev for Homeworld Desert Sakara. Well, here's the thing that I thought was really cool about it was Homeworld is, I don't know if it's cult classic status because it was fairly popular in its time. I don't know if a lot of people play it now, but when they bought it, they had they bought it with the intent of making a remastered version. And when they got into the code, they realized that shit, like this code is is broken and it's not gonna work. So they reached out to the mod community who had been active for many, many, many years, and they brought in a lot of that mod community to make the game, which I think is fucking sick. Like, yeah, that's cool. You're, you have people who love this IP so much that they are mm-hmm. on their free time for free on the Steam Workshop or wherever you have it. Before Steam was a thing, I'm sure they were doing it releasing patches and doing a thing, which I used one of those patches as well on my remastered version, and they gave them jobs to do it, which I thought was, you know, pretty cool. They're pretty slick, actually. Super slick. Speaking on its popularity, uh, when it came out, it was the highest rated computer game of the year, the fourth highest game of the year. It tied with Street Fighter Alpha and Gran Turismo 2 for the fourth slot, so there was first place. What the fuck? First place. Which one is this? (laughs) This is Homeworld 1. First place was uh, Soul Calibur. That's uh, a good the, game. The, the three, the fighting cared. game. Yeah. Yep. So you had a fighting game, a racing game. game, and so there, there was the, the the first place game of the year from all systems that year was Soul Calibur. 
uh, a three-way tie on Metacritic for number two, which would make it number four since it's a three-way tie plus number one. So the the three-way tie for fourth was Street Fighter Alpha 3, Gran Turismo 2, and Homeworld. It's the 28th highest rated computer game of all time. No shit. Yes. Wow. And if you look at user score on its release year, the only game it lost to was Soul Calibur, the fighting game. That that blows my mind. I've never played Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur. So I, I, I have been <laughs> drinking all night of her. Um, but... After that, re- after researching that, I was like, I gotta play Soul Calibur. I have to go no. check that out. Like, no. I mean, no, you really don't. A it, fighting game is a have fighting you guys game. Played and Soul Calibur? I, I might oh God, get I hate for right. this, but I've played. Yeah, a fighting game is a fighting game. What are you really gonna get besides different fighters and it's different moves? Basically, like those, like it's the Dead or Alive's or whatever the fuck. Mortal Kombat, Killer Instinct. No, it wasn't. No, no, no. The thing is, it's separate from Mortal. So it's not like your Mortal Kombat's or Street Fighters. It's like the Dead or Alive's or what's that other one? Tekken. Tekken. It's like those Tekken, King. It's like that. Got it's a Jaguar all the same head, shit. No, no. That's what I'm saying. There's definitely differences between like Capcom games and those. If if you're a in fighting London, game, at least to me, is a fighting game. I don't know. Like, how different can you really get with like? Here's your fighter. Here's your. I don't fighter. know. Would you lump uh, Smash Brothers into that? Yes. Yeah. No. But it's a better game. Here's all I'm saying. I wouldn't even say that it's a better game. I'd just say it's way too different of a fighting game. Dude. We seem really conflicted <laughs> on fighting games. We are all Florida men. And oh, that's no. because for us, <laughs> fighting games are done in an alley with PBR cans. And the referee's an alligator. And we're going to pause this podcast <laughs> and go out back and beat the hell out of each other for no fucking reason. <laughs> oh, no. There's a reason. You literally live on an alley, by the way. This was an alley that got turned into a road. Correct. So. Uh, <laughs> Clinton Dicks Road. That's not a real street. We can just go straight outside and take <laughs> care of this. I go. Maybe I think that this might be a reason we have to do a fighting game at some point. Agreed. In the yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. If you guys feel the same, please go to one of our socials and let us know because we I'm need voting. some suggestions. I'm voting for Soul Calibur. We'll see. <laughs> Voice acting is obviously my thing. So as soon as I heard the narrator of this game, I knew immediately who he was, and. It's hubris on my part where I like I kind of don't want to look on IMDb or Wikipedia because I'm just like I know it's this guy and have I don't want to be wrong. Have you? <laughs> I did actually this time. Yeah, I... this this time. Yeah, this time I did. It was um, Campbell Lane, and he was the narrator for actually a lot of sci-fi things. I can't remember. There's one video that I watched for the specific thing that I'm going to talk about um, that he was famous for doing narrations for sci-fi. It, for Gundam Wing, which is a very like popular American or was obviously it was an anime but it was like a very popular one in western audiences specifically in America for like what was it like to, Nate will attest this like 2000 early 2000s and I wasn't whatnot. listening I'm sorry oh my <laughs> god sorry, sorry you pointed at me and I was like you're the one who wanted me to bring this shit up because you brought up Campbell in you I can't remember so I'm pulling up his IMDB and I'm looking at it as quietly as I can I'm so I, I don't know why you're talking to nate about it nate doesn't watch anime no I he's seen too yeah i've watched quite a bit of anime i just don't since when high school it was all high school and middle school so and that's why i'm like 15 up. years ago and college so like 10 years ago <laughs> i recently <laughs> rewatched cowboy bebop like two days ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah I- but uh, Gundam Wing was a very popular. It, it started the whole. It was along with Dragon Ball Z. Everybody Dark, knows, like, Gundam yeah, Ball. along with yeah. Toonami. So, like, so Toonami had the the big the the big three. It had Dragon Ball Z. It had Gundam Wing, 
And then the third one I can't think of right now. Probably like Yu Yu Hakusho or Yu Gi Oh or something. No, probably. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Inuyasha. Yeah. Inuyasha. Inuyasha. Yeah. There you which, go. Which, which, yeah. I, I got into due to exposure, but not due to want at any point. It was just always on. Yeah, I'm here. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I, I still remember the fucking ads for it on Adult Swim, which were hilarious. I'm just trying to watch Robot Chicken, guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Show me the um, Family Guy I missed. But yeah, and I knew right off the bat was he was the Sam Sam Nader uh, Naderator the Naderator <laughs> the Nader the Naderator. <laughs> so if you're having trouble uh, picturing him, Daniel from his voice, I wasn't, but I am now. He's credited in Cataclysm as two. The narrator. he was also in Battlestar Galactica. Actually, yep, yep. he was in uh, the show. He's him, the voice, like physically, physically, yeah. Who or was, was he? he a voice? Uh, I'm pretty sure he was. He was in there physically. He's in flashbacks in Razor the miniseries. He's the first hybrid. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah he's he's been around. He's the Bentusi, the I, voice of the Bentusi. That's that's. I the have voice. a bone to pick with him, and I've I've always felt this since the first time I played Homeworld One, and I feel it in two as well. I don't know if he's in Carrick. I don't know if he's. In he's Cataclysm. also the, the, the he's also the traitor too. The 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 guy that we were just yelling at before yeah. that always just comes in. He gave me like a the Bentusi. Yeah. yeah, the Bentusi. No, yeah. the traitor, yes. Not yeah. the traitor. Traitor. Yeah. traitor <laughs> not traitor. Not traitor. Yes. <laughs> the bone I have to pick with this motherfucker. Trait, the older bone. Is that he says resource and resourcers rather than resource and resourcers. And everyone else in that game says resource and resourcers rather than what it should be as resource and resourcers. And it drives me up a fucking wall every time I hear it. And I think it's his fault because they all took his direction because he's the narrator. My understanding, which is possibly incorrect and not based off anything, American Game, American Studio, Vancouver, British Columbia, narrator. He's I a, love the Canadian, yeah, so Canadian, I love too. Yeah. But there are, there are slight differences German. in our accent. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, Jesus Christ. I've yelled about the Germans every single episode of this podcast. I love you guys. That's true. Yeah, you know, he has. <laughs> I mean, and also, about every week I've known him since we were 50. No, you started that shit after college. You didn't used to say, like, the Germans. The Germans? Yeah. Very crafty. All the, I just the, feel like I have to. Yeah. Don't take me wrong. I love the Germans, but it's just fun to make fun of you. No, exactly. No, it's... Uh, I, we're I, American. Everybody makes fun of us, yeah, so we're yeah. allowed. And, and One of my... Best friends is Germans. So yeah, Manuel Kanya. Make, Never oh. mind, that's not his name. We'll edit that out. Sorry, Great. Manny. Good job. <laughs> he lives us, with us at one two three Fake Street, State Soda, North Carolina, Florida. Resources, <laughs> resourcers under attack. What? The, there's no Z in that word, and I'm surprised neither of y'all have any said anything about it. That, I guess I really haven't heard him. You will now. I know him as the voice of the Mentuzi. Oh, the same as like. Give me a soda. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that fucking soda. But I know him as, at least in this game, as the voice of the narration and the voice of the Mentuzi. The narration is... Bentuzi or Bentusi? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed um, this last month we, as we've been talking about it. You guys have been saying Karak and I've been saying Karak. I mean, or I've been reverse. asking every time I've... There's I've just been H, saying Homeworld, There's an H after honest. the K, so it's, uh, I always, like, overpronounce the A, like, Kar. And, and yeah, right, like a fucking uh, Klingon. Uh, I was thinking more like somebody whose jaw just got ripped off their face, like uh, that, that Japanese really terrifying movie that was terrifying. Speaking of, actually, with Klingon, did you ever uh, look into a, what was it, a, an add-on or a mod to make it, like, Star Trek They have many of them. Yeah. They have mods on the Steam Workshop to make it Star Trek. 
Star yeah. Wars, Battlestar, That's anything, anything my, you want. Do they have Gundam? I'm probably sure you could find one. In my opinion, though, this engine and this, this even with the remastered, well, the remastered looks great. This engine isn't as good as other games that have done um, covers, like Sword of the Stars, Sins of a Solar Empire. Sins, specifically, that engine was, was used to make some of the best Star Trek war games, like space war games, I've seen. This engine, I love it. I would not. Well, it depends it, on what kind of game you want to play. And it, it also probably depends on the, um, the I would, person doing the mod. I would like, like to play this game with battle starships. I would I, love to see some Cylon yeah. Raiders fighting yeah. some Vipers. Wouldn't like, you love to see that, Lee? What was I would game, love to see that, Lee. What was the game years ago that we played, and it was it was either Battlestar or Star Trek Skin on another game? We played Stellaris, and I think yeah. that we played... Well, but that, uh, Stellaris is turn-based. There was a, a real-time game. Stellaris is not turn-based. That's real-time. What's the turn based I'm thinking of? I don't know. It's a good mm. question. Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> I feel like I should be the one to answer that question. You should. Let's talk about Alex Garden for a while. Who the hell is Alex Garden? Oh, my God. He's the, the guy, the director of the game. He founded the studio that created this game. He founded THQ at 22 years old. What have you done? Me? Yeah. I started a podcast about six months ago. At 30. One. No, I'm 32. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, so I was 32 and a half. Oh, shit. I'm you a co-host on a podcast. old guy. Alex Garden, let's talk about how much he's over-accomplished us. Don't let me into that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only 27 over yeah, here. Okay? He was 22. Yeah, so. Long pause. <laughs> Listen, we're all failures. It's okay. We're all failures together, though. This is America. Mm-hmm. We can start whenever we want. That's right. That's actually really Land of opportunity. Sure, yeah. Eh. Oh my god I have an idea What? Nate What was your favorite part about this game? You know when a computer Is a little older And has clicked too many times And just freezes up (laughs) That's about where I am right now (laughs) So How about we start At one of you two Holy shit I mean The lore It's, It's the lore I loved every part of this fucking game I've I've loved these games forever. Every every piece of them. Like, I've followed, I've literally, as of this podcast, stalked people, and not unknowingly, or unknowingly, stalked them by playing their games over and over. The lore, though, for wait, me... Wait, 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 yeah, wait. You're gonna have to elaborate on that. Eric, what? The, the dude Dimbe. We talked about it earlier. You're stalking what? people? Not stalking him intentionally. Oh, you guys don't remember the names I brought up that are only in the Word document in front of me. Aaron Dimbo. You you're, you're stalking Mr. Dimbo. <laughs> Yeah, it's what you're saying right yes, now. Not in real life, but like I've gone through my gaming life playing games and knowing these certain games that are just they're just what I want. They grab me, they dig me, they drag me in. I dig them and they're perfect. And it it's all on storyline. And and it's all on like StarCraft I loved because of the storyline. I got into the multiplayer much later. Company of Heroes, which was THQ as well, I loved because of the storyline. Multiplayer came later, and like, but storyline is what drags me into a game, kicking and screaming. Chris Metzen from from Blizzard, although you know, you, yo guys, stand up for Hong Kong for God's sakes. Um, <laughs> Thank Aaron, you, Aaron Dimbo. Yeah, hey, I, hey, I, hey. I, I, I mentioned the minute I said Blizzard. I, like, I don't condone should. this. Okay, I'm well. hoping for some Disney crowd over here, maybe Blizzard. Well, fuck you. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think democracy should beget Cue democracies sarcasm, in all situations. Um, all right, we, we, we're not. It's not a politics contest, but podcast. My, my lord, I am. I am intoxicated. I'm full on slurring words. Welcome to the command center. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but this center. guy Dimbo has been lore for this game. He did a bunch of work with with Martin 
last name misgrossed. The lore. The lore of this game drags me in so much. All of them. Going from Cataclysm to Homeworld 1. Homeworld 2, I was skeptical of because I didn't think the lore was going to be there, and I finished it for this podcast. Holy shit! And even uh, my my the game I was supposed to play and the one I played first, Desert Zakarok, I was angry at it because it was retconning, but then the lore was so good. Everything was so done with a loving fervor for what this storyline is, what this this universe they've created for the consumer, the viewer, the player is so fucking amazing. And I gotta throw in just right there, because that it is such a loved franchise and because at least I know the two of us and I think that Jason now has found like a newfound maybe not love but he really liked the, the lore and all that. They are they have announced Homeworld three yes and it will be coming out so keep an eye out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I plan take, to hate it when it comes out and then love it afterwards. I, like, exactly every yeah. fucking game. I mean I'm gonna love it from the get go. Yeah I, I mean uh, I'm just excited to see a new Homeworld game. I mean they waited from 2003 to 2016 to make two or um remastered and deserts to make the uh deserts from homeworld 2 so it's it's it seems like a long wait i guess it wasn't really but i don't really consider deserts uh part of that continuation because i feel like i think that three is going to be a continuation of the story yeah deserts, forward, I mean, deserts not, was a prequel deserts, deserts prequel, was a exactly. love story written to see what the market would respond to similar to the remastered release. and apparently it was a good response yeah and it it is yeah um so least favorite part the bugs god damn the bugs and and um, and and, uh, we should say real quick that um nate played the uh the original version yes jason and myself played the remastered versions which fixed some bugs and brought up some new ones which is also throw some love at, at good old games right now it's homeworld emergence good old games is the only place to get it this game was lost for like six years uh good old games picked up five or six different sets of code and merged them together updated them put them back together for what was cataclysm the, the remaster comes when you buy homeworld 2 remastered you get homeworld 1 and 2 remastered and homeworld 1 and 2 source code i don't know if it's on gearbox or blackbird but the remastered i found the remastered versions uh user interface gives you so much more information it's amazing you can click on a group of 12 fighter squadrons and it'll tell you how many fighters are left in each that's super useful information but i had so much trouble interfacing and that the interface i think was just lack of adapt- adaptation but then when i did play the remastered has one multiplayer feature where you can play all four fleets one two the bad guys and good guys kashan and, and um Titan or Hagarin and um, what's the bad Vager. guy? Vager. All their fleets have their own strengths and weaknesses, and it's great because they've evened them out. The the fact that there's like a hundred years of game time, no, they kept them even. But I played one just friggin' match against some computers of all varying difficulties just to see what it was like. And I played as the Titan. I couldn't build my heavy cruisers. I couldn't build bombers. I couldn't build defense frigates. Like about a third of my fleet was missing, and they were specialist thirds. But a heavy cruiser is not a specialist. That's something you build on mass late game. So I had to counter by building destroyers, which were fleet limited. So then I had to play differently. Now, granted, I was playing against four easy, two hard, two medium, but they're just bugs all over the remastered. And when I played, granted, it was through the remastered purchase. Two, my, I started on two remastered as my second game or third game to play just because I was bored. And it was a struggle for me. So I went back to vanilla and i it's i believe it's the original it's the same engine it's just a graphical update i had i'll say fewer bugs meanwhile good old games put out a game compiled out of six different code sets 
there was one glitch in the whole game and a planet didn't render correctly. So rather than being an orbital view of a planet, it was a big yellow circle. So I knew where it was. You weren't fighting on the planet, you were fighting above it. So it didn't matter. It was just the background image was broke. This game has been remastered by Blackbird and Gearbox. There should be very few bugs. And the mod. And the mod community. And the, well, I, and I don't know if the mods have... The mod community was heavily... Was, was what they built. In, the, that's the, okay, true. who helped with the remaster. And that may be why, where the trouble is, that they have a bunch of mods they're trying to put in to make the game. And they, they ended up employing a lot of those guys, mm -hmm. which is what I was saying earlier, which yeah. I thought was pretty no, cool. No, yeah, yeah. And so, that, favorite part was the... The, just the, lore. the lore. The lore, and, and least favorite part was the bugs. Yeah, which, I mean, when I played them back in the day... You know, yeah, well, when you get a remaster, you expect there's not going to be a lot of bugs. Exactly. But. That's exactly All right, it. Jay, favorite part? Uh, all right. Uh, favorite part was probably... I want to say lore, but I don't want to be a basic bitch because he just said lore. But if that's your favorite part, that's your favorite part. It, I mean. It's not necessarily my favorite part, though, because I'm conflicted between lore and gameplay, even though gameplay honestly isn't something that I necessarily liked, but I honestly fucking loved. I was, like, in engulfed in playing this game and making formations, making sure all this thing, all these things went right, uh, even though most of the time it didn't, and it was probably just dumb luck. Well, it, draws, <laughs> but, it, it definitely draws you in because yeah. it makes you have to pay attention because there's always something going on. Yeah. I mean, like I said before, there are, and that would probably go towards my least favorite, and that's towards RTSs in general, where y there are times that you're kind of just sitting there and watching shit happen, even though, like you said, there is a, like, a joy uh, seeing, like, everything go into fruition. There's still a part of me that wants to... Yeah, if there was a game, and you guys would know more than me, that, like, takes an aspect of that, but then also... It, but then also puts like maybe XCOM is kind of like that, it, probably not. But um, you have that strategic a aspect of you set up this fleet, you're gonna set up and do this thing. But then you're also in like you take a part of one of the ship. You are actually the fighter. You also actually are the shooter and whatnot. If there is a game like that, let me know. But that's probably my least favorite part about it. Um, other than I, I glitches, I can't really say because I didn't play the original. The graphics. There, there was one part, uh, I just kept on forgetting that it was the same engine for 1 and 2, because the way that the setup in the command center is, like I said before, we have our computers together, and so I was playing 1, Dan was playing 2 next to me, and I kept on looking over at his PC and being like, oh, what the fuck? It's supposed to be the second one? It looks like there's no graphical yeah. difference, and be like, oh, wait. Yeah. That's right, it's still the same engine, because go it's a remaster. And, go back and launch the original Coda 1, because I played it all the way through 2 on, our, on the original, and then I walked into this garage and saw Daniel playing two remastered. I was like, holy shit, that looks sharp. Why didn't I play that? And I was like, oh, right, because I got in a fight with the interface and then was a petulant bitch. It never went back. And that's back. the thing, like, though. Uh, the interface, I will say that it's probably the best interface of an RTS I've ever played. Mm -hmm. Just because I got it. There mm -hmm. were some stuff that, oh, shit, I, you know, like the hovering thing, if I hadn't hovered over this one key key part i wouldn't have noticed that there was uh weaknesses and, and strengths strengths but it it felt easy to me there was still like a clunkiness to it like i said before when i was trying to because of like the 3dness where i was like the way that you go about navigating this 3d plane was a bit clunky where you had to go straight first and then navigate up or down and they didn't maybe in, in the tutorial they kind of made that apparent but like 
It's a, it's a new mechanic for RTSs. Yeah. Especially for the time it was released. Yeah. That was a, a whole new revolution. That was something that I, did, like, I just had to keep, had to have in the back of my head. And I kept on, I just kept on fucking it up because it's just, it was a new thing to me. And right. Yeah. Star Trek Fleet Commander 3 came out after Homeworld 1. It added that in. It was, this is a 2.5D. You could go up and down. But the map was as as tall. The map was one percent one percent height and ninety nine percent width. It was a two D RTS that you could now go top and bottom, but you could always see each other. This is a box. It's a cube where you have to fight in this cube. So going up and down is a really big issue. But it is it's the first game that ever did it. So it's a little bit clunky, and it, I I feel like my fight has always been this interface isn't right. But if all three of us design an interface. There are going to be three very vastly different interfaces to deal with the mm. same problem, and that is what it is, is that, like, they tried to optimize it as best as possible. My personal anger and rage towards the interface is in my way. It's getting in the way of me yeah. reading this story. That's another yeah. one of the things that what I loved do. about this game, though, that uh, the first time I played, I think it was with the scouts. They, it was. It's a very realistic game where, you know, they had their formation, they went in for their attack, and then they went, and then they just kept on going. And then they were coming back. But I didn't realize it was going to be like that. And they were just going off into space. I was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, uh, but then they're coming back. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, okay, I see. So it's actually like taking physics in mind. Now, interestingly <laughs> enough, it's not. Because if you were flying in space, you don't have to fly by and come back. You just stop and you fire. There's there's no momentum. Or, I mean, not mo- no momentum. There's momentum, but, yeah, like, but there's not. Yeah. You would just pivot in place. And fire back like in Battlestar, where yes. they had the, like the, the thrusters. Right. So that, they yeah, use yeah. real there's a, physics. Yeah. There's a thing. So that, this does not use real. Physics. They they treat these um these space fighters like they are in an atmosphere. Oh, okay, no, okay. No, I, I'm going to disagree with you there. So there was uh, and I don't have it no, in my notes, but in the in the Wikipedia of one one of the things the the that the, the, the dev team made certain to do was integrate real and here's agreeing with you and disagreeing with you, integrate real fighter maneuvers, and it's, it's I don't remember what it's called, I didn't put it in my notes, but it's a flip and turn, and so like in Battlestar Galactica, the new one, you see the flip and turn, so you keep your guns facing the enemy, but you sustain your momentum, so you have to fight it with your 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 engines. Right. And the fighters in Cataclysm and one, to some degree, did that, where they would flip and turn, but one of the things the fighters did that is, I would think, atmospheric and not spatial is, and it makes sense and it doesn't, your bombers would run a bombing run, fire bombs far out, fire bombs in close, then zip off. They would wait to flip and turn until they knew they had the distance to get off two more rounds on the way back, which made sense with the bombers. But the fighters have chain guns. They should, the minute they pass, be letting their inertia Precisely. carry them and flip and keep their guns facing. But with the bombers, where the bomb recharges like 60 seconds, makes sense. With what the I, fighters, makes I, less well, sense. I guess what I mean is like, in if this was a real space battle... You would just do like a sphere, just go around, just go around and always be facing the enemy and always be firing. But if you're not moving at a high speed, so granted, if this was a real space battle, we'd never had one as humans. We don't know. We've, it's only conjecture. Well, wouldn't that depend on like that? I mean, there would need to be thrusters. It, de- it on... depends on your target. Yeah. If you're fighting something that has a lot of fast tracking guns, you're going to whip in at, at, I don't know. Uh, was it Mach 25 is orbital velocity? You're going to whip in at Mach 50 so that the tracking guns literally don't have time to track you. If you're fighting something with no tracking guns, you're going to park and just hose. Well, I mean, we could we could debate real-life space battles forever. Can we do that? I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll start another podcast. But I guess what I mean is, like, it wasn't 
quote unquote real mm-hmm. physics if you were like yeah. to have a real space the, battle. The, the fighters had a maximum speed, whereas in in space, your maximum speed is how long do you have to accelerate? I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my favorite part was, and nope. again, this is because I played the remastered version. Uh, I played both the regular, the original release, and the uh, remastered. I am talking only about the remaster. I loved the upgrade in the graphics. I love the fucking original game. I fucking love that game. It is one of my favorites of all time. I think that the story and and the gameplay and everything just meshes so well. It just gets you engaged, and you like like Jason said, like you have to pay attention. You have to be watching the entire time. Except for like when you said like, oh well, I just did things and I'm watching it happen. But the way I play. I want to make sure that my interceptors are attacking the right groups. I want to make sure my bombers are at the right place. I want to be watching and make sure if this frigate is damaged, it's getting repaired. So I'm always engaged when I'm playing. And I think that when you when you guys came over earlier, you guys were talking and trying to talk to me, and I was playing a mission, and I was not listening whatsoever because I was trying to play the game. I like being that engaged in the game, and I, I absolutely love the lore. I think that my favorite part is just the game itself and, and just all the games. Um, with the exception of Deserts, because I didn't play that one. That one, I just think they're really, really well made all around. My least favorite part with the remasters were the bugs, because I feel like if you're going to remaster a game and they were working from scratch, the original coding didn't work, so they had to rebuild it pretty much from the ground up. But if you're going to do that, and I think that the studio folded before, the, but at a certain point. Um, I don't. I didn't catch that in my research. I, I think I, yeah, that I think I that no Gearbox idea. folded at a certain point and that's why now it's up to the community. Well no, but, but they're still they're they're the ones who are launching three, right? Or is Blackbird launching three on their own? I think that Gearbox folded. Or Relic or whoever. No, well, Relic, I think that yeah. one of them folded. But I think if you're gonna make a remastered, cool. Put the new graphics on it. I love it. I like playing one with two's graphics. I think it looks amazing. But fix all the goddamn mm-hmm. bugs because I played it and I remember playing two and two was really hard and I got stuck at a certain point, but I tried to play two now and it was literally impossible. And I Googled, I was stuck on mission four and I Googled Homeworld two mission four. And the first suggested thing that came up was mission four impossible. So I knew it wasn't just me. And there was all, there was a fan patch and there, the fans are patching this game continuously to fix it because it literally was impossible. They changed the algorithms and, and they just threw all these fleets at you and it, the game became unenjoyable and it unplayable. three full fleets at you when it should throw one, one and a half. It, like it, one, it's one really strong fleet. So it, turn, it, yeah. it, made it, it made it literally unplayable. I hate to use that, that about Well, about phrase, a week ago, but... we had a discussion. It was like, how did you beat Mission 4? I'm playing the original... On the remastered purchase, you can play the original Homeworld 2, not the remastered. And I was like, that was a really hard mission because I attacked the center and got... Swamp with two fleets, and then I attacked left on my replay and was able to take two fleets separately. And you're like, I'm getting three every time. And it wasn't until later we were discussing you're playing the remastered, and there's basically a bug where the AI says whatever your fleet is, give it three times that strength. But instead of that, it did three fleets, right? Like so yeah, it's like it was that one specific mission. Yeah, that that had a there bug. was one one glitch. Yeah, but it, like if you can't yeah. advance, yeah. then you can't play anymore. That, but, I uh, mean, that's unexcusable for a fucking remaster of the yeah. game. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 For Despite, sure. If, you, if you've if you got to rebuild the engine, that sucks, but if you're putting but I out will a remaster, say, it needs to be like, flawless. Yeah. When I looked up that fan patch, that fan patch was made by a lot of the modders that they hire to make mm-hmm. the remaster version, mm-hmm. so they, they might have, like, the company might have folded. The studio might have folded, so but they, they fixed it. Gearbox after. is still in operation. They're the, the, the 
when they purchased the the IP, there the Gearbox released the uh, high definition is literally what the Wikipedia says. But the remastered is all under Gearbox, so there was no there was no fault on the remaster. But no, not on the remaster. After the fact for patches and all that. Oh, true. Oh, and that could be I don't know who's making three. But, I remember just reading somebody folded. Yeah. Um the original studio, THQ, but so it could also be that and this is not to knock their ability and honestly everything they've done that I've played is amazing. They hired a bunch of modders who brought in their own created mods to make and they all probably brought this in on the game. You're combining now 6, 7, 12 people's code. I'm not com- combining code they didn't hire moderates to buy their code they combine they no, hired the moderates but there's what i'm saying they, they brought ability. in these people who have made making mods for homeworld 2 and homeworld 1 oh i remember when i did this five years ago i i, I built this mission i want to use it i've got this old thing well five years ago you weren't the coder you are today it's possible that they brought in glitches that were from previous in their career it could be i don't know i don't know how to program i don't know if that's even remotely possible but that sounds like that one specific mission, talking about it with you, with Mission 4, Homeworld 2, was... It could be. It was rough. Yeah. It could be. I mean, but I will say, like, with the way that things are now, with right there on Steam, you have the workshop, I think that you can easily go in there. Like, I Googled mm-hmm. once, and I found the solution. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, this game got abandoned, and here's where all those people who made the game fixed it after the fact. Pretty fucking cool to me, mm-hmm. because then I was able to continue playing. And it did, now, now it's not a game that I bought that was ruined. But that's still my least favorite fact was that I had to do that. Still enjoy the shit out of it. Yeah. I never finished two before this podcast, and that's a great storyline. So, next game. We talked about it. We debated it. It was a hard sell. We had a lot of different ones we talked about. We settled on Payday 2. I know what you're thinking. No one knows what the fuck that is. Maybe you do know what it is. Have you played it? Probably not. It seems like a cool game. I played it for like an hour. It was fun. I don't think Jason or Nate has ever played it. Have you guys? No, I've not. I've heard about it, but yet, 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 good, yet, well, yet, and yet, ah, because yeah. we're gonna play it. It's on Steam for nine ninety nine, and it's on sale right now through the twenty eighth, which is Monday at one p.m. So hey, kudos to you guys who listened to us early because you got the sale. When it's off sale, sorry, but that's what we're playing. Um, it's multiplayer. Uh, do you guys know if it has a single player campaign or does it have to be multiplayer? I do not. I presume it. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't neither know. do I. Yeah, yeah. Might have might have a single player. Might only be multiplayer, but that's what we're doing. And there's three of us, so you know we're gonna do it. And fuck you. Co-op. But, co-op. Uh, yeah. If you guys want to hear us talk about something else, you want to hear us play a different game, if you want to play a different game, you can always let us know what you're looking for. We have a email account. You can hit us at commandcenterpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us on our Facebook. Just search Command Center. Same thing with Twitter. You can get us on Instagram. And don't forget, if you're listening to us on our website, you can always get us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends. We're lonely. We want to hear from you. Hit us up. We want to know what games you want to hear us play because we're here for you. So, what are our last thoughts, boys? If we don't get a thousand users, we're so lonely, Daniel's going to rape me. Please listen. Can we do that over? (laughs) That's a great ending. (laughs) I actually like that. (laughs)